We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 369 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Thursday, August 4th, 2022. It is the day of the NFL preseason opener. Yes, the Hall of Fame game is tonight, and the game will feature the commander's opponent in week one of the 2022 season, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jags versus the Las Vegas Raiders at Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium in Canton, Ohio on Thursday night at 8. How much scouting of the Jags should we do tonight? Should we chart plays? Should we monitor tendencies? Should we try to figure out snap counts? I'm all in. Ron Rivera, Don Ron, tell me what you need. I'm all in. Let me know what you want me to do for you. Hello and welcome to this Thursday installment of the Al Galdi Podcast. Juan Soto Late Night on Wednesday night made his debut for the San Diego Padres, who during the day on Wednesday put out various videos chronicling Soto's first full day as a Padre. I could not watch the videos in their entireties. I don't know about you. I could not sit and watch the videos in their entireties. I had to watch some of the videos, okay? I mean, I'll admit to that, okay? It's kind of like Marty Bird in the very first episode of Ozark as he, on his laptop, keeps watching his wife uh, get it on with another man, okay? Marty can't help himself. I don't know how if you are a Nats fan or a Nats observer that you're not at least curious what Juan Soto as a Padre looks like. Uh, but yeah, this still doesn't feel good, okay? This still does not feel right. And I still maintain that this didn't have to happen. All of the people saying, well, the Nats had to trade Juan Soto. No, they didn't, okay? No, they didn't. Now, maybe they end up being better off, okay? But this notion of, oh, you had no choice, you had to trade him, you always have a choice, okay? You always have a choice, and you certainly didn't have to trade him right now, this week, by Tuesday's MLB trade deadline. Well, something that does have to happen is you and I talking sports. Uh, It is good to have you with us next segment. We will get to talking commanders. Uh, All you need to know from Wednesday's day eight of 2022 commanders training camp, including 
a Curtis Samuel update from Ron Rivera and some scheduled fun with something else uh, that Ron said during his post-practice press conference on Wednesday morning. Always know that the only thing better than spontaneous fun is scheduled fun uh, in which we engage on the Al Galdi podcast. Uh, And then after that segment, uh, I want to have a conversation about the potential for multiple players from the Commander's 2022 draft class to make immediate impacts this coming season. The Commander's 2022 draft class, for a variety of reasons, is set up to have maybe as many as five guys getting substantial playing time in the 2022 regular season as soon as week one. Are we about to see a Commander's draft class that makes major contributions right away? Uh, we will discuss. Uh, also on the show, I'll talk Nationals. Uh, their first full day without Juan Soto since trading him uh, resulted in a loss, uh, a 9-5 loss to the National League East leading New York Mets at Nationals Park on Wednesday. Although the Nats did make things at least a little interesting with a five-run bottom of the ninth. Uh, one of the mantras of this podcast is, I follow sports so that you don't have to. Uh, so don't worry about having to sit through three plus hour Nats losses moving forward here. Uh, I'll take you through what mattered from the game. And I'll talk Orioles. Uh, they won again, a 6-3 win at the Texas Rangers on Wednesday afternoon to complete a three-game sweep. And Mike Elias on Wednesday made comments about having traded away Trey Mancini and Jorge Lopez. The comments are comments that if you are an O's fan, you need to hear. Uh, The complaining by some, especially in the media, okay, of the O's having traded away Mancini and Lopez to me is ridiculous. Elias explained why he did what he did very well and said some very encouraging things about the state of the O's. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. The feedback on the Nats trading Juan Soto continues to pour in. Email from Jim D. I wasn't going to comment on Juan Soto since I'm not as well versed in baseball as I am in football, but the trade was tough for me to see despite the apparent inevitability. I can recall heading out to Nats Park for one game every year when I was younger and how special it was in my first year dorm lounge watching the boys claim the long-awaited world championship in 2019. It seems the Washington Nationals, as I once knew them, are no more. And much like we saw with the O's the last few years, it may be a while before I see the Nats return to form. Let's just hope that these prospects all work out because Tuesday truly was a sad day in D.C. sports. Uh, Thank you for the email, Jim. You know, it's hard to think of a three-year run for a sports franchise off a championship worse than the three-year run for the Nats since winning the World Series in October 2019. Like, pretty much nothing has gone well for the Nats since then. The Nats winning the World Series in October 2019 was so great and so impressive, and just about everything that has happened with the franchise since then has been so bad. And not all of the bad things have been the Nats' fault. Like, it's not their fault that the season following their World Series championship season, the 2020 season, resulted in the team, due to COVID, not experiencing any of the financial windfall 
that the team should have experienced. I mean, that 2020 season should have been a grandiose victory lap season for the Nats. And season ticket sales should have spiked. And merchandise sales should have spiked. And television ratings should have spiked. And there very much should have been a feel-good season for the Nats of achieving the ultimate in baseball, winning the World Series. And the Nats got robbed of all of that. Uh, Nats fans got robbed of all of that. And that's a real shame. It really is. But man, one bad thing after another for the Nats since winning the World Series. Uh, Email from John Rondazzo. I couldn't wait for your pod on Wednesday, and I can't wait for the future 30 for 30 titled How the Learners Killed Baseball in Washington. They blew the whole thing up too soon last year. Soto is the final nail in the coffin. Need to settle in for three to five years of suck. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for the email, John. So I disagree with you on the learners in 2021 blowing things up too soon. Uh, To me, that Nats fire sale of July 2021 was necessary and needed. Uh, I am, however, not convinced that the trading away of Juan Soto on Tuesday afternoon was necessary and needed. But the Nats did get back a bunch of promising prospects slash young players. Uh, The potential does exist for this trade of Juan Soto and Josh Bell to the San Diego Padres to be a trade that nets the Nats multiple foundational pieces moving forward. And we're hopefully going to see one of those pieces shortstop C.J. Abrams at the major league level for the Nats sooner rather than later. Uh, As for the learners, look, their legacy as owners of the Nats will be mixed. Uh, The learners do deserve a lot of credit for what happened from 2012 through 2019, eight consecutive winning seasons, five playoff seasons, four National League East titles, and a World Series title. I mean, that was a fantastic run. The learners deserve a lot of credit for spending money on players. Uh, You know, the Nats Percott's baseball contracts ranked in the top 10 in MLB in year-end 40-man payroll in each of eight consecutive seasons, 2013 through 2020. But we know that the learners could be peculiar in their spending on non-players. And the reality is that the learners greenlit the trading away of a generational player in Juan Soto. And that is something that really could come back to stain the legacy of the learners as owners of the Nats. We'll see. I mean, maybe the haul that the Nats got back from the Padres ends up being a great haul. I sure hope so. Uh, I also hope that you and those who you care about are doing well. But if you or someone who you care about has been injured due to the negligence of someone else, know that the law firm of Paulson and Nace is there for you. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. You can call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases, offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Paulson and Nace is widely respected throughout Washington, D.C. and West Virginia for the firm's accomplishments both in and out of courtrooms. Chris Nace and Matt Nace are dedicated trial attorneys who do not balk in the face of large insurance companies or well-known businesses that have had practices or products that are directly related to the root of your harm. Paulson and Nace does not accept low settlement offers that benefit the people who caused clients' harm more than the offers benefit the clients. Uh, This is because Paulson and Nace is not afraid to take a case to trial, and that's because Paulson and Nace wins trials. Uh, Paulson and Nace has secured millions of dollars in verdict and settlement amounts for clients to better enable them to care for themselves and their families. Again, if you have a case, contact Paulson and 
and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Yeah, you're obligated to nothing. Call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. When you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Schedule a no-obligation appointment by calling 202-902-7611. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. Just make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. All right, well, 2022 Commanders training camp now is more than a week old. Uh, Wednesday was day eight of camp, which is taking place at the team's headquarters in Ashburn, Virginia. Uh, Wednesday morning at Commanders training camp featured a padded practice for a second consecutive day, and not so coincidentally featured the Commanders offense doing pretty well for a second consecutive day. We talked about this on Wednesday show, episode 368. A padded practice allows for offensive linemen to actually take on defenders and block them. Uh, In non-padded practices, you can have essentially free rushes for defensive linemen, uh, and that obviously makes a difference for the offense. You know, it's almost silly to declare how an NFL team's offense is doing at a training camp until you have some padded practices at the camp. Well, we now have had two padded practices at 2022 Commander's Training Camp. Commander's Head Coach Ron Rivera on Wednesday morning did a post-practice press conference. Here was Ron on how the offense and defense did on Wednesday morning. Um, I think across the board it was a good day for both sides of the ball. There were a lot of good things that happened um, in terms of development out there on the field. Offensively, probably the, the, the biggest thing that's changed, and, and you know, it, it's, it's, un- it's funny, people don't realize it but when when you're in pads it's a whole different mentality for the front for the offensive line you know they don't they, they don't have to catch because they can now strike because again when you when you don't have pads on you've got to be smart about how you make contact and how little contact you should make so it doesn't look good as far as the offense is concerned but now things are balanced out things are even and now you can see really some of the good things that we're looking for as coaches So Ron Rivera right there reiterating uh, some of what he on Tuesday morning said about how padded practices lend themselves to offenses doing better than they do in non-padded practices. Uh, Receiver Curtis Samuel, (laughs) time for your daily Curtis Samuel update. Uh, Last season, the groin injury to end all groin injuries. Curtis played in just five of Washington's 17 regular season games. Uh, Monday morning and Tuesday morning, Curtis was on a side field at 2022 Commander's Training Camp, as opposed to practicing. Uh, Ron Rivera on Monday morning revealed that Curtis is dealing with issues pertaining to, quote, overall football conditioning and shape, end quote. Uh, But on Wednesday morning, Curtis practiced and looked good. Uh, So some good news there. Uh, Ron on Monday morning emphasized that there is a plan for Curtis. Uh, Here was Ron on Wednesday morning on Curtis. Okay, the big thing, again, just so everybody understands, we, I talked about this last time I was asked about Curtis. We're ramping Curtis up, we're ramping Curtis down. It's all about conditioning him to play football more so than anything else. And I think that's the biggest thing everybody has to understand is that this group of guys, um, I mean, um, um, Curtis, you know, didn't play a lot last year. And what we've tried to do is we're just trying to ramp him up, get him into football shape, football conditioning, and then slow it back down, bring him back up. Our ideal plan for him is just to continue with that, 
get him ready to play the regular season. This has nothing to do with last year's injury. This is all about how we're going to maintain him to get him prep, prepared and ready to go. It's, it, it's the way we mapped it out, the way we planned it, and we'll continue to do that with him. Um, it was good to see him. You saw some of his versatility out there as far as that was concerned, lining up in the slot, lining up as the uh, X or the Z, and then motioning him across putting him into the backfield, all those different things we can do with Curtis. Um, that's his versatility, and that's what we really expect from him. You know, it really is comical how, like, every day uh, Ron Rivera gets asked multiple questions about Curtis Samuel. And understand, I don't blame the people asking the questions. How do you not have questions about Curtis given what happened last season, including the secrecy with which the team operated with Curtis last season. Remember, we did not find out until multiple reports this past November 27th that Curtis had undergone core muscle surgery the previous June. Uh, is there a pitch count for Curtis Samuel at training camp right now? Here was Ron Rivera's answer on Wednesday morning. Not a pitch count, but it, 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 it's about you know getting as much of the peak performance at him as we can Okay, and then bring it back down and then condition him up again. So, again, it's, it, it's something that, you know, in, in talking with, with Alan and talking with the doctor about the best way to handle his ramp ups, and we're just trying to do that. We're trying to be very mindful of it. Again, we know he's, he's a valuable piece, and, and once we can get him into that, into that shape, you know, now it's in, you can cut him loose and let him go. And the Al, who Ron Rivera referenced, is Al Bellamy, who the commanders. This past April 18th, officially hired as their new head athletic trainer. He is the replacement for Ryan Vermillion. While we're talking injuries, uh, we have had our first truly serious injury at 2022 Commanders Training Camp. Drew White, undrafted rookie linebacker at Notre Dame. It turns out that he on Tuesday morning suffered a torn ACL. Rod Rivera on Wednesday morning on what happened with Drew White. Yeah, unfortunately, it, it, it's an ACL tear. Um, you know, he had just, it, it was one of those, it was, it's, you could almost term it as a non-contact. He had his leg planted, and he went to make a turn and pivot off of it, and, and his cleat stayed in the ground, unfortunately. So uh, it's very unfortunate. You know, he'll, he'll, he'll go through the process with the doctors, and, 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 you know, the team will take care of all of his uh, medical needs, and he'll be on IR. Yeah, not that Drew White was being viewed as a key piece at linebacker for the Commanders this coming season, but White suffering a torn ACL is a blow to the Commanders' depth at linebacker, and the depth wasn't exactly super deep uh, to begin with. Ron Rivera on Wednesday morning on the plan for depth at linebacker. Well, we're looking at a, a couple of options right now, and um, you know, we're actually very pleased with what we've seen from the young guys, and uh, we'll, you know, we'll continue to go through these things with... Um, you know, with, with the scouts right now, um, talking to Eric um, about, you know, what, what our plan is and, and, and what we're going to look at. You know, what continues to be clear is that the commanders are not nearly as worried about linebacker as a lot of fans and people in the media are. Uh, Ron Rivera looks at Cole Holcomb and Jamin Davis and David Mayo and Kalik Hudson and appears to be just fine with what the commanders have at linebacker. Doesn't mean that the commanders won't sign an unrestricted free agent linebacker of a significance, but uh, there certainly is no hurry at linebacker. Uh, and I will conclude this segment with probably my favorite thing from Ron Rivera on Wednesday morning, him expressing his anger with something that happened at practice on Wednesday morning. I have to tell you, I like angry Ron. I like perturbed Ron. Uh, take a listen 
to this exchange with Commander's Insider Pete Haley of NBC Sports Washington. Now, Ron didn't get mad at Pete, uh, but Pete raised the topic. Here you go. We heard you get after Daniel Wise a little bit for some post-whistle stuff. Montez Sweat, Kendall Fuller seem to be a little fired up. Did you do you feel like maybe there's some teetering on that line that you wanted you between your guys, or you think they're they're doing a good job of? No, they're doing a great job. Just a couple things happen out there that, you know, the reason I did was because we're, we're, we're you know we were working a certain phase of our game, and you know when we're when we're going through that, you know it's basically no huddle, hurry up football, you know not two minute, but just no huddle. And, you know, we're sitting there arguing about little things, you know, and the whistle gets blown and we're still screwing around. And we can't do that. we got to get our asses in, in position and we got to play football. That's what I was pissed off about. You know, it, 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 when, when, when the game gets hard, when there's pressure on you, you can't do that. you gotta, you got to maintain your focus and, and line up and play football. you got to get past those things. And that's, that's why I was, you know, a little, little agitated about what went out there. Because, you know, that's, you, you, you can't get those real reps until you play a game. But, you know, this is as close as it's going to get. So if that's what the practice calls for, let's stay focused. Let's, let's, let's take care of our business and let's go out there and do it. That's, you know, that's what happened. Okay. Uh, I enjoyed that from Ron Rivera. Quote, we got to get our asses in position and we got to play football. End quote. Hear, hear. You know, and the whistle gets blown and we're still screwing around. And, and we can't do that. We got to get our asses in, in position and we got to play football. That's what I was pissed off about. Yes. There you go, Ron. Uh, I like that. Up next, much more on the Commanders. Their 2022 draft class is it uniquely positioned to be especially impactful right away. I'll get to that after this. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So when it comes to an NFL team's draft class, you really can't truly judge the class until you're like two or three years removed from the draft, right? Passing judgment on an NFL team's draft class after one season isn't the way to go. Now, you certainly can have thoughts and feelings and can notice how players are doing, but, you know, truly assessing how good an NFL team's draft class was requires at least a few seasons to take place after the draft class was assembled. Uh, That said, I think that one of the more interesting things about the commanders in the 2022 season is the potential for multiple players from their 2022 draft class to make immediate impacts. Uh, The commanders in the 2022 NFL draft took a number of players with a lot of college football experience and who play positions at which the players can contribute right away. Uh, Perhaps this was all done on purpose. Maybe this was all coincidental. But when you look at the commander's 2022 draft class, you see a good number of players who could be instant contributors. And uh, these players have been coming up during commander's training camp so far. So the commanders in the 2022 NFL draft selected eight players. To me, five of the eight players have significant potential to be instant contributors. Uh, Receiver Jahan Dodson, who the commanders took with the number 16 overall pick. Interior defensive lineman Fedarian Mathis, who the commanders took in the second round. Running back Brian Robinson Jr., who the commanders took in the third round. Safety Percy Butler, who the commanders took in the fourth round. And tight end Cole Turner, who the commanders took in the fifth round. And you know what? Who knows who else from the commanders 2022 draft class might emerge. But regarding all five of the guys who I just mentioned, uh, it is very possible, if not probable, that each guy gets significant playing time in the 2022 regular season as soon as week one. How often do you say that about an NFL team's draft class, that it is possible, if not probable, that five guys from the draft class get significant playing time as soon as week one? Uh, Everything that you continue to hear and see about Jahan Dodson is very encouraging. Uh, Commander's head coach Ron Rivera during his post-practice press conference on Wednesday morning on Jahan Dodson. Well, you know, probably the biggest thing is, is, is he has a lot of versatility as far as position flex for us, playing all three of the wide receiver spots. Um, the biggest thing that you do see is, is his situational football. He's very aware, you know, especially when you watch some of the third down stuff just that he understands. He understands the importance of, of depth of your route, understanding of, of, of where to put yourself to present that target, finding those windows of opportunity. I mean, he is, he's, he's been really good, and he's been a really good target for our, our quarterbacks. All right. And yes, uh, you did hear Ron Rivera say his favorite phrase, position flex. He has a lot of versatility as far as position flex for us, playing all three of the wide receiver spots. 
Yes, Ron. Position flex. Uh, the commanders list Jahan Dodson as being 5'11 and 182 pounds. He obviously isn't a bigger receiver, but he seems to play above his size given his great catch radius and his great hands. Dodson in his 2021 senior season at Penn State for Pro Football Focus dropped just two of his 93 catchable targets. Rod Rivera on Wednesday morning on how rare it is for a player like Dodson to play above his size. It is rare. I mean, you have to have special ability. Probably one of the really, really good guys at it. I was fortunate enough to watch Steve Smith. You know, I mean, that, that guy has got, you know, he, he played bigger than his size and he played above the rim. And, and when you watch Jahan, he does play bigger than his size, um, which is great. I mean, you want people underestimating his ability because he has, he has potential to make plays. Yes, he does. I tell you, Steve Smith Sr. was a baller. He was tenacious. Uh, 16 NFL seasons, played for the Carolina Panthers from 2001 through 2013, then played for the Baltimore Ravens from 2014 through 2016. So his last three seasons with the Panthers were Ron Rivera's first three seasons as Panthers head coach, 2011 through 2013. And it is hard to find a tougher receiver. It is hard to find more of a mofo of a receiver in recent NFL history than Steve Smith Sr. Uh, Also doing a post-practice press conference on Wednesday morning was corner Kendall Fuller. Uh, Here he was on Jahan Dotson. I mean, he's just a pro, man. Ever since day one, he just carries himself like a pro. He's confident. He wants to learn. Um, You know, he knows his abilities. He knows he can go out there and make plays. That's going to be something that we need him to do. Um, But, you know, you can just see each day he just, he's steady. You know what I mean? People talked a lot about Ryan Kerrigan being steady, always being there, always being a pro. You know, just from a young guy, you can see that starting off early for him. He just, he's a pro. He's coming out here to work every day doesn't complain doesn't you know what I mean he just he just comes and work you know he brings his lunch pail to work so it's something that's been good for us so how about that Kendall Fuller comparing Jahan Dodson with the franchise's all-time regular season sack king the recently retired Ryan Kerrigan more from Kendall Fuller on Wednesday morning on Jahan Dodson uh yeah I mean for me I haven't been going to get some too much um in camp but definitely in the spring a lot um Definitely, like I said, for, for him to do what he did in that spring, to wanna run a route one way the day before and then kind of get that same look and, and and be able to have a counter off of it, that's big. That's a that's a vet move. That's what, what pros do. And, uh, you know, you definitely don't see a lot of rookies do that. I'm not going to say none, but you definitely don't. That's not common. Um, so, you know, that's something big, and I'm sure that's something that he's going to use throughout the season. Yeah, so you get the idea with Jahan Dodson. A lot of good things being said about him. Uh, Fedarian Mathis, especially with the commanders in March, having said bye-bye to their top two backup interior defensive linemen in releasing Matt Ioannidis and losing Tim Settle as an unrestricted free agent to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Mathis, this coming season, figures to play right away for the commanders. Uh, he was a player at Alabama for five seasons, 2017 through 2021. He has a really good reputation. Uh, Mathis in his 2021 redshirt senior season was one of Alabama's permanent team captains and was named to the SEC community service team for his work off the field. This was Ron Rivera on Wednesday morning on the commander's depth along the interior of the defensive line. And take a listen to how Ron talked about Fedarian Mathis, uh, whose nickname is Phil. I do like the, the challenge of, of, of finding that fourth guy. You know, our first three 
are, are, are very sound. You know, even though Phil's still a young guy, um, you know, he's shown some flashes that show he belongs, and that's really a huge plus for us. Yeah, strong praise from Rod Rivera for Phil, a.k.a. Fidarian Mathis. Uh, Brian Robinson Jr., could he end up being the commander's primary running back for this coming season? The intent certainly seems to be for Antonio Gibson to remain the team's RB1, but stranger things have happened. Uh, and Gibson has been banged up quite a bit over the course of his NFL career so far, and he, of course, had a major fumbling problem last season. Now, Brian Robinson Jr. does not appear to have the ceiling that Antonio Gibson has, but Robinson seems to be a steady Eddie. You know, he'll get what's black for him and he'll hold on to the football. And both of those things were not things that Gibson last season did consistently enough. Uh, Robinson played at Alabama for five seasons, 2017 through 2021, but he did not become a starter for Bama until his 2021 redshirt senior season. But boy, did he make the most of that season. Robinson, in that 2021 redshirt senior season for Pro Football Focus, had 891 yards after contact. That ranked 12th in the FBS and had 79 missed tackles forced. That ranked tied for 6th in the FBS. Uh, Percy Butler, he has been getting a good bit of run at Commander's training camp so far. He and Derek Forrest are in a good battle for playing time at safety slash Buffalo Nickel. Uh, Butler can run. He at the 2022 NFL Scouting Combine ran a 4-3-6-40. And Cole Turner, you know, Cole Turner could be the Commander's TE1 come week one. Uh, Logan Thomas remains on the active, physically unable to perform list off having suffered a torn ACL, MCL, and meniscus in the win at the Las Vegas Raiders last December 5th. Uh, John Bates has not been practicing due to a calf injury. Cole Turner could be the commander's top tight end for week one. Uh, he's a big dude. The commanders list him as being 6'6", 240. Cole Turner on Wednesday morning did a post-practice press conference. Here he was on how his size helps him on his deep routes. Uh, I think it helps because I kind of present a bigger target for Carson, so um, it's kind of hard to miss me sometimes when I'm when I'm running out there. So th that's what he tells me at least. So I think that's what helps. And what about when making contact? It seems like maybe it gives you a little bit of an edge there too, at all. Or? Yeah, I think you can kind of put the ball in places where only I can go get it. So I think that's where it kind of helps me out. You know, uh, obviously the high balls, but even out in front and behind me, I think there's a lot of balls I can get to that you know might be challenging for somebody else. Yeah, Cole Turner was a productive player for Nevada. He played for Nevada for four seasons, 2018 through 2021. Uh, Turner, for his 2021 senior season, tied for second in the FBS in touchdown receptions by a tight end to 10. And Turner, in 20 games over his final two collegiate seasons, had 111 receptions, including 19 touchdown receptions. So 17.1% of his catches over his final two collegiate seasons were touchdown catches. Uh, look, there's no doubt that this is the time of year in which we get overly excited about NFL players, but just in thinking about who the commanders drafted and the team's situations at various positions, I don't think that it's unreasonable to think that this team, this coming season, could have quite a few in the way of instant contributors from the draft class, Jahan Dodson, Fedarian Mathis, Brian Robinson Jr., Percy Butler, and Cole Turner. Uh, Washington's 2021 draft class did not have a great first season. The team's 2022 draft class figures to have pretty good opportunity to have a really good first season.
Well, Wednesday was the first day of the rest of the Nationals' lives. Uh, Wednesday was the first full day for the Nats since what they did on Tuesday afternoon. Trade away right fielder Juan Soto and first baseman Josh Bell to the San Diego Padres for six players in probably the most significant trade in Washington, D.C. sports history. I mean, name me a more significant trade in the history of D.C. sports than what the Nats just did trading away Juan Soto and also Josh Bell. The Nats' official Twitter account on Wednesday put out highlights of some of the players who the Nats got back from the Padres. Uh, The responses (laughs) from people were, shall we say, entertaining. Uh, Take, for example, a tweet, including a video highlighting outfielder James Wood, uh, who is from Rockville, Maryland. That tweet yielded some of the following responses. Uh, One response, and if he pans out, he'll be shipped out before getting a new deal, right? Uh, Another response, cool, looking forward to that narrow point in time after he gets above double A and before you trade him away like all the rest. Uh, Another response, won't pay him when he gets good. Uh, You get the idea. This is where a lot of Nats fans are at right now, and it's understandable. This week has been some week if you're a Nats fan, but the thing is, there still is a rest of a 2022 Nats season. Like, the team is still playing out the rest of its 2022 season. The Nats 2022 season with Juan Soto and Josh Bell was brutal. We can only imagine how bad things are going to be getting here without those two guys. Now, look, there's always the potential for the Nats to rise up and inexplicably do decently well, but raise your hand if you're expecting that. Uh, The Nats on Wednesday at Nationals Park played game three of a three-game series against the National League East leading New York Mets. Uh, The result was a Nats loss, uh, a 9-5 loss. The Nats in the 2022 regular season now are a major league worst 36-70 with a major league worst run differential of minus 172. Now, the game did get at least semi-interesting in the bottom of the ninth. Uh, The Nats went into the bottom of the ninth trailing at 9-0. The Nats in the bottom of the ninth scored five runs. And on a number of two-strike hits, uh, the Nats in their five-run ninth had two home runs and four singles. Three of the six hits were two-strike hits. Uh, What matters more than ever for the Nats now is how younger players do, you know, how potential building blocks do. Uh, We did see some younger Nats players do well on Wednesday. Uh, K-Bert Ruiz, he was the Nats starting catcher at number five batter. He went two for four with a solo homer and a single. Uh, Ruiz in the bottom of the fourth had a two-out single through the right side of the infield, and Ruiz in that Nats Five-run ninth, got things going, smashed a one-out full-count solo homer to right field to cut the Nats' deficit to 9-1, despite having been down to the count at 1.12. Luis Garcia, he was the Nats' starting shortstop and number two batter. He went two for five with a two-run single and a bunt single. Uh, Now, he did leave four men on base, but Garcia in the bottom of the first had a first-pitch bunt single on a beautiful bunt toward third base. Garcia in the Nats' five-run ninth had a two-out full-count opposite field two-run single through the left side of the infield to cut the Nats' deficit to 9-5, despite having been down to the count at one point, 0-2. Lane Thomas, he was the Nats' starting left fielder and number seven batter, one for four with a solo homer. Uh, He did have a major defensive miscue. That wasn't good. But Thomas in the Nats' five-run ninth, a two-out solo homer to left field into the Mets' bullpen to cut the Nats' deficit to 9-2. The defensive miscue came in a Mets' two-run six on a Luis Guillorme opposite field leadoff triple. Thomas on the play failed in a sliding attempt to catch the ball uh, off it having rolled down the left field line. The ball ended up rolling all the way 
to the left field corner. Uh, Victor Robles, he was an ad starting center fielder and number one batter, one for five, but the one was an RBI single. Uh, he did leave four men on base, but Robles in the Nats' five-run ninth, a two-out full-count RBI single to center field to cut the Nats' deficit to 9-3, despite having been down at the count at 1.02. Uh, Josh Palacios, know your Nats, Josh Palacios. Uh, the Nats on Tuesday afternoon recalled him from AAA Rochester. Uh, this is his age 26 season. He, on Wednesday, was the Nats' starting right fielder and number eight batter. He went two for four with two singles. Uh, Palacios, in the bottom of the fifth, had a win-out opposite field single to left field on an 0-2 pitch. Palacios, in the Nats' five-run ninth, had a two-out first pitch opposite field single to left field. So right now, if you are a Nats fan, this is what you're focusing on. The young players, the potential building blocks. And if you were not in favor of trading Juan Soto, if you are angry about the Nats' having traded Juan Soto, if you are sad about the Nats having traded Juan Soto, then consider any good performances by young Nats players, by young potential building blocks for the Nats as like a stiff drink to numb the pain, okay? Every K. Barrett Ruiz hit, every Luis Garcia hit is like a shot of Jack Daniels, man. And just keep pounding, okay? Keep pounding until you can't feel the pain anymore. Uh, we on Wednesday did have a Nat who had a four-hit game, uh, Ildemaro Vargas. Who? What? Yes, know your Nats. Ildemaro Vargas. Uh, the Nats on Monday afternoon selected the contract of infielder Ildemaro Vargas from AAA Rochester. Uh, this was done of the Nats earlier in the day, having traded their super utility man, A. Ray Adrianza, to the Atlanta Braves for outfielder Trey Harris. Uh, Vargas is not a potential building block. The Nats signed him as a free agent this past May. This season is Vargas's age 30 season. Uh, but he on Wednesday had four hits. Uh, Vargas on Wednesday was the Nats starting third baseman and number nine batter. He went four for four with four singles. Now, he did commit a crucial error. Uh, but Vargas in the bottom of the third had a one-out opposite field single to left field on a 1-2 pitch. Vargas in the bottom of the fifth had a one-out single on a bouncer through the left side of the infield. Vargas in the bottom of the eighth had a leadoff opposite field single to left center field. And Vargas in the Nats' five-run ninth had a two-out infield single. So, hey, four hits or four hits. Uh, Vargas in the Mets' four-run fifth did commit that crucial error, a throwing error. He actually dropped a line drive off the bat of Starling Marte and then made an errant throw to second base. There was irony with this because Vargas actually has a reputation for being a good defender and not a great hitter. Uh, but he on Wednesday was the opposite. Good hitter, uh, but not so great defensively, at least not on that play. Uh, we do expect to see one of the players who the Nats acquired from the Padres playing for the Nats soon. First baseman Luke Voigt. Uh, the Nats on Wednesday evening requested unconditional release waivers on shortstop Alcides Escobar, uh, presumably to make room for Voigt, uh, who is a veteran in the majors. He's not a prospect. Uh, and, you know, sadly for Alcides Escobar, the end of the road for him with the Nats is here. Uh, all credit to him for the job that he did for the Nats last season. He was surprisingly productive for the Nats last season, but this season did not go so well. And he is like barely playing these days with Luis Garcia now, the Nats every game shortstop. Uh, the Nats starting pitcher on Wednesday was Anibal Sanchez. Uh, five runs, four earned in four into third innings. Now, his final line was ruined by Jordan Weems, but Sanchez still was not good. Uh, he gave up five hits, a homer, a double, and three singles. He issued three walks, uh, one of which was intentional. Also issued a hit by pitch. He recorded just two strikeouts. Uh, he over his four into third innings threw 97 pitches. I mean, think about that. Four into third innings, 97 pitches, 62 strikes, 
versus 35 balls. Uh, Sanchez in the top of the third allowed two runs, issued a two-out nine-pitch walk of Francisco Lindor. Gave up a two-out first pitch, two-run homer to Pete Alonso to dead center field for a 2-0 Mets lead. The homer went a projected 411 feet per stat cast. Uh, Sanchez in a four-run Mets fifth was charged with three runs, two earned, although the three runs charged to him all scored on a one-out grand slam by Daniel Vogelback to right field off Jordan Weems for a 6-0 Mets lead. So yeah, Sanchez did pitch better than the final line suggested, but still, uh, Sanchez has not been good. Four major league starts now for him in the 2022 regular season. He, over the four starts, has allowed 18 runs, 17 earned in 20 innings. Uh, We'll see how long the Nats stick with Anibal Sanchez in the rotation. I mean, the scenario is uh, not a mystery here. Age 38 season, Nats and March signed Sanchez to a minor league contract. He's a road to nowhere for this team, but the state of the Nats is such that they don't have many other viable alternatives right now, at least in the mind of the team. I mean, the team does not appear to want to call up Cade Cavalli from AAA Rochester. Uh, The Nats bullpen on Wednesday uh, very mixed. Four Nats relievers combined to allow four runs in four and two-thirds innings on nine hits. Uh, that's bad, clearly. But the four relievers also combined for eight strikeouts. Uh, Jordan Weems officially allowed three runs in one and two-thirds innings. He came into the game in the top of the fifth with the bases loaded, one out, and the Nats down 2 nothing. And Weems, unfortunately, was not a fireman. Uh, he was an arsonist. Uh, Weems, to the first batter he faced, gave up that grand slam, that one-out grand slam by Daniel Vogel back to right field for a 6-0 Mets lead. And Weems in the top of the six allowed two runs, gave up a triple, a double, and two singles. Uh, Steve Ciszek tossed a scoreless top of the seventh with three strikeouts, despite giving up a leadoff double to Jeff McNeil. Andres Machado tossed a scoreless top of the eighth with three strikeouts, despite giving up a leadoff single, followed by a double. And Hunter Harvey in the top of the ninth allowed a run. Also with the Nats bullpen on Wednesday, Tanner Rainey underwent his Tommy John surgery. Uh, So he, at the very least, will be out well into next season. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) a lot of good news for the Nats lately. Uh, Next up for the Nats, a seven-game road trip, uh, a four-game series at the Philadelphia Phillies, followed by a three-game series at the Chicago Cubs. Game one at the Phillies, Thursday night at 7.05. Paolo Espino will be the Nats' starting pitcher. He'll oppose Noah Syndergaard, uh, who the Phillies on Tuesday acquired via trade with the Los Angeles Angels. Well, it's hard right now not to be excited if you are an Orioles fan. The team is winning like it hasn't won in years. And maybe more importantly, the team is engaged in a process that I know to me feels so right. Yes, the O's this week did trade away two key players in outfielder slash first baseman Trey Mancini and closer Jorge Lopez. But from a big picture perspective, from an adherence to the process perspective, trading those guys made total sense and totally was the right call. And not that the last few games are the ultimate judge of having traded away Mancini and Lopez, but the O's are still capable of winning games without those two guys. Uh, And the O's on Wednesday afternoon won again. Uh, Won at the Texas Rangers 6-3 to complete a three-game sweep as the O's Joe Angel again were in the win column. And the Orioles again in the win column. 
Yes, Joe, the win column. Uh, the O's in the 2022 regular season now are 54 and 51, including 40 and 27 since a 14 and 24 start. The O's with their win at the Rangers on Wednesday afternoon completed a regular season sweep of the Rangers. Six and O against the Rangers. And how about this? This is the first regular season sweep for the O's against a team that the O's played at least six times in the regular season since 2010. How about that? 2010. Uh, The O's remain one and a half games behind the Tampa Bay Rays for the American League's third wildcard spot. Now, before we do more on this latest Orioles win, how about what O's Executive Vice President and General Manager Mike Elias said on Wednesday? Uh, Elias speaks with reporters a lot, uh, a lot more than Nationals President of Baseball Operations and General Manager Mike Rizzo is speaking with reporters these days. Uh, Elias spoke with reporters on Wednesday. Take a listen to this of having traded away Trey Mancini and Jorge Lopez. I did talk to uh, a number of our, our core players this morning directly. I wanted to, as I'm emphasizing right now to the public, uh, there's a plan in place. It's going exceptionally well. We've got a very bright future ahead of us. I don't want um, us uh, utilizing the opportunity of the trade deadline the way we did the last couple of days speak to um, the fact that this is a team that is going to have to be reckoned with from now and this point forward in our division. Um, we're going to have to um, scout and develop and manage the roster a certain way to, to maintain it that way. We've seen our competitors do that, um, and um, we're there. We're, we're, we're at that point. And so I, we're, we want to win as many games as we can possibly win. We want to get into a wild card. Um, but it's my job to manage the organization as a whole from top to bottom. And um, at times there are opportunities that, that um, feel like um, a step back. But in the big picture, it's a step forward for the entire organization. And that's the position I'm in. So I came here, um, you know, I hadn't been with the team for a while. It's not ideal when your team's uh, on the road during the um trade deadline but that's the luck of the draw and you know we can't bring the whole front office to a hotel room there's just too many people involved with the trade deadline so we stayed set up in Baltimore um, you know was able to talk to Trey and Jorge on on uh, video uh, the last couple of days but I wanted to, to talk to some of these guys in person and watch the team play. So Mike Elias took it upon himself to speak with Orioles players about why he traded away Trey Mancini and Jorge Lopez and did an excellent job in that cut that I just played for you of explaining where the O's are at. Mike Elias gets it. If you are an O's fan, Mike Elias gets it. He so is the right guy to be running the O's right now. He has remade the O's to where they now very much are in on analytics. He has made a number of savvy moves and he very much has the O's on the right path. The reasons to feel good about the O's right now aren't just the wins. You know, there are bigger picture things happening here that I think should make you feel really good if you are an O's fan. Uh, As for the Orioles 6-3 win at the Rangers on Wednesday afternoon, uh, well, the O's keep finding ways to win games. Uh, The team's backup catcher, Robinson Chirinos, he was a hero on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, He on Wednesday afternoon as the starting catcher and number nine batter 
three for four with a solo homer, an RBI single, and another single. Uh, the Orioles' usual catcher, Adley Rutschman, uh, he on Wednesday afternoon as the Orioles' starting DH and number two batter, 0 for two with three walks. Uh, Rutschman in the series went five for 11 with four doubles, a single, and four walks. His OPS for the 2022 regular season now is up to 799, including an on-base percentage that's up to 353. So much to like right now with Adley Rutschman. Uh, good stuff from Kyle Bradish on Wednesday afternoon. He was good for a second consecutive start since coming off the 15-day injured list. Uh, Bradish allowed one run in five innings with five strikeouts. Uh, he gave up just three hits, all of which were singles. He did issue three walks, a hit by pitch, and a wild pitch. And he, over his five innings, did throw 93 pitches, 57 strikes, versus 36 balls. But Bradish now has been good in each of two starts since coming off the 15-day injured list. So the O's on April 29th recalled Bradish from AAA Norfolk. He was good in two of his first three Major League regular season starts, including a sensational performance in a 5-3 win at the St. Louis Cardinals on May 10th. Bradish in that game allowed two runs in seven innings with 11 strikeouts versus no walks. Uh, but Bradish then was woeful in each of seven consecutive starts, he, over the seven starts, allowed 30 earned runs in just 29 and a third innings. Uh, Bradish then was on the 15-day injured list from June 24th, retroactive to June 21st, to July 29th with right shoulder inflammation. But Bradish now is back. Uh, he, this past Friday night, in a 6-2 win at the Cincinnati Reds, allowed two runs in five innings, had seven strikeouts versus no walks. Uh, this season is Bradish's age 25 season. He was taken by the Los Angeles Angels in the fourth round of the 2018 MLB draft out of New Mexico State. The O's acquired Bradish in December 2019 as part of the trade package from the Angels for starter Dylan Bundy. Uh, O's manager Brandon Hyde during his postgame session with reporters on Wednesday on Kyle Bradish. Yeah, I mean, he he definitely was scuffling early. Uh, first inning was was a struggle. The second inning was a struggle. I think we got fortunate only getting out of there with I think giving up one run there early because the command was not there. And uh, that's just you know I'm really happy to see him settle in and be able to go five innings because it there was a there was an he was in a bat or two away a couple times of me getting somebody up there in the first couple innings and um, for him to be able to to uh, you know find it a little bit and and find a better rhythm and his delivery and and find his command. Uh, that was huge for us. All right. A few other items on the O's. Uh, should we be at all concerned about Felix Batista? Uh, so Batista in the Orioles 6-3 win at the Rangers on Wednesday afternoon in the bottom of the ninth allowed a run. Uh, he gave up a two-out solo homer to Marcus Semien to cut the Orioles lead to 6-3. Now, Batista did also record three strikeouts, but this marked the second time in three appearances that he gave up a home run. Uh, Batista in a 3-2 loss at the Cincinnati Reds this past Sunday afternoon. Bottom of the eighth, gave up a tie-breaking two-out solo homer to Brandon Drury on a 1-2 pitch for a 3-2 Reds lead. Uh, Felix Batista has been so good this season, but he has been looking human lately. Uh, and he, in theory, is the Orioles' closer with Jorge Lopez gone. Uh, although the O's may go more closer by committee. You know, we could see CNL Perez closing games for the O's, uh, Perez on Wednesday afternoon, one and a third perfect innings, uh, lowering 
his ERA for the 2022 regular season to 121. Batista's is at 181. Uh, Also, the O's on Wednesday morning activated outfielder Brett Phillips, uh, who they just acquired via trade with the Tampa Bay Rays for cash considerations on Tuesday afternoon. And the O's have optioned outfielder Eustiel Diaz to AAA Norfolk. Uh, The O's on Monday afternoon recalled Diaz from AAA Norfolk. Diaz was one of the five players who the O's got from the Los Angeles Dodgers for third baseman slash shortstop Manny Machado in July 2018. And uh, Diaz's development has stagnated. Uh, This season is his age 25 season. He, at the time of being called up to the majors, had an OPS of just 677 for Norfolk over 145 plate appearances this season. And now the O's have opted to go with a guy in Phillips who was designated for assignment by the Rays earlier this week over Eusniel Diaz. Uh, No game for the O's on Thursday. They on Friday night at 7.05 will begin a six-game homestand with a game one of a three-game series against the Pittsburgh Pirates at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Friday show, episode 370, will feature a special guest to talk commanders, former Redskins tight end, Logan Paulson. Uh, he now is doing broadcasting work, including being set to serve as a sideline analyst and reporter for telecasts of Commander's preseason games this year. Uh, Logan is excellent at talking X's and O's. He has been attending 2022 Commander's training camp practices, and we're going to get into a lot with the team and what could be coming in the 2022 season. Uh, also on Friday's show, I'll talk Nationals as they on Friday night at 7.05. We'll begin game one of a four-game series at the Philadelphia Phillies. Have a great rest of your Thursday, and I'll talk to you on Friday. You know, and the whistle gets blown and we're still screwing around. And, and we can't do that. we got to get our asses in, in position and we got to play football. That's what I was pissed off about. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.